tend to be some time trying to oversee that, that web. That's the that's the answer right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think we're clear for Pat right now. <laughs> <laughs> Boat talk, loose as a goose. Uh, no script, no, uh, you know, like I say, we take it as it comes. So. Okay, well, I'll grab the, the instant if I have it. Um, coming up just after 10 o'clock on that WERU auction on the 6th of December will be a $50 certificate from Island Fishing Gear and Auto Parts in Stonington. And they're right off the dock. So there, if you need something of from, from your boat, yep. you can come right in and get it if you've got this gift certificate. Island Fishing Gear, thank you. And uh, Hardy Boat Cruises has also given two passes for the Monhegan Island Ferry. That'll come up after 10 o'clock, too. Then around 10.30, Darwin Davidson, whom some of you may know as the host of Bronze Wound, has offered a very special uh, item, a five-hour boat trip around Deer Isle area or the Blue Hill Bay for up to four people on his 20-foot Grady White power boat with a bimini top. Yep. Now, and life jackets. Darwin, and life jackets. Dar- I'm, I'm interested that Darwin has done this before, and he's doing it again, so... I would think it's probably a good thing. Darwin is a gentleman of very good will. Yeah. And, and very we, great support of WERU. Yeah, it might be interesting to actually talk to him about it or his passengers. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. The um, All of these are wonderful supporters of WERU. They're part of the WERU marine community, all of the people who have donated these items for you to bid on. Okay, two more, quickly. Uh, one, it will be coming up around 11, just, just after 1130 Uh, The Wooden Boat School, which has also done this before, has again offered a one course during the 2015 summer season. The value is $750. You can choose whatever course you want to do. My suggestion is that you bid on it, get it, and then real quick like go online and register for the course you want. They're Mm -hmm. all listed or will be soon on the Wooden Boat website but this is a very generous item nobody has ever had a bad time at the wooden boat nobody indeed it's an amazing place Uh, and the final one is a little different than anything else but i mention it because they do have a dock and you can dock right there the keeper's house inn on Ilaho, which is the historic lighthouse which has now been turned into a really nice lodging it offers a two-night stay for two people uh, in the summer between june 1st and october 12th this includes gourmet meals packed lunches uh, three meals a day it's off the grid at the end of a private road powered by volt photovoltaic a windmill and fred, fed by their own water that they pump that they draw from the sea in a reverse osmosis system Whoa. so if you're interested in the mechanics of all this what better opportunity anyway you can bid on this item which is a $700 item two full days out there fed and pampered and in a really interesting place um That's what we have of things that relate more directly to marine items, and uh, I really appreciate this opportunity to speak to all of your people with marine interests and all of the good marine supporters of WERU. Well, as we've kind of been mentioning here on Boat Talk this morning, um, this is a marine-oriented place. It's uh, why... how the place was discovered, how it was developed, and uh, how it still works. That's why we have the Coast Guard. Yes, and Alan and I um, are marine people. Uh, We're both boat builders, uh, deliver boats and stuff. Uh, Soggy. Yeah, and uh, so anyway, we come in and hang out on the community radio here and and talk about what we know best and, uh, you know, reflect our own expertise and interest, which is kind of the 
the cool genius of community radio, and that's what we're asking you to support this morning. Uh, as people standing by, we'll take a pledge from you. If you like the boat talk thing, it's 1-800-643-6273. Now, we do have a guest in the studio this morning. Um, Thank you, Pat. Yeah. Chief Michael Winniarski. Winniarski? Yes, Winniarski. Yeah. Winniarski. Um, United States Coast Guard, how long you uh, been serving, Chief? Well, I've been in the uh, Coast Guard for 14 years now, and I've yeah. uh, been on board the Cutter Bridal for about a year and a half. Nice. Now, uh, we're going to start at the beginning. Um, got what we call the boat talk question, and mind you, it works good for rock stars, too. You just change the, uh, change the word in a little bit, but what happened to you when you was young that messed you up about boats, you know, and ended you up to be a professional boat person? Well, uh, I've always uh, enjoyed boating. I think around, around uh, 12 years old, uh, I've had a uh, boat and uh, been operating ever since and really the love for the water and that really drew, drew me to the uh, Coast Guard. So, Where'd you grow up? What kind of boat? Uh, I grew up in uh, Middletown, New Jersey and uh, actually my first boat was a uh, Bayliner a little trophy. So Perfect. Huh. And again, it's, uh, the water is a happy place and, and so how did you end up uh, choosing the Coast Guard as a career? Uh, actually, when I was uh, younger, um, I visited a Coast Guard station right around the age of 14 and uh, really saw what they did and uh, kind of really fell in love with the search and rescue and uh, going out and helping people. So it's uh, it, it really drew me to it. So it's such a great job that uh, kind of I joined right when I was uh, 19. It is Veterans Day today. Um, what do they say? 23 million-odd veterans, not odd, but uh, more, <laughs> or less, more or less veterans in the Michael's United States normal. of America. And uh, what uh, the uh, four major services, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, and then everybody mentions the Coast Guard last. Coast Guard's kind of humble. Um, they're also self-deprecating. I talked to a retired chief just uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and what do you call him? Uh, Uncle Sam's confused group, you know. But you help people, you know, and that's what kind of turns you on about the Coast Guard. Yeah. yeah. How do you join the Coast Guard? Uh, well, if you uh, find your local recruiter and uh, you could go through the process and they'll bring you through certain steps and uh, certain tests that you have to take and uh, they'll work through that and then uh, you go through the process and uh, you'll get recruited. And again, the Coast Guard is a military service, so uh, we are talking a fair bit of discipline. Um, nobody's, uh, it's not exactly the same thing as, as uh, being a Marine or a Navy SEAL, but again, um, the uh, service to um, uh, saving people and the Coast Guard has, has uh, played a great role over the uh, uh, history in American wars as well. That, that is correct. Actually, yeah. the Coast Guard has been uh, in every major war and conflict. Uh, they were the original revenue cutters, right? That is correct. Yes. And again, uh, after the revolution, how do we fund the country? It was done with those revenue cutters. It was done with... with uh, imports and exports and and uh yeah nothing more important than the coast guard um just uh let's let's uh if you do join the coast guard though they they put you through basic training uh where do they send you what's that like uh that is correct uh basic training sexy in uh cape may new jersey it's a eight week uh extensive program and uh it's just like any other uh, boot camp out there so hmm. you're a chief that's an enlisted rank isn't it that that is correct yeah um the uh, enlisted men and the officers two different kinds of cats um, the, uh, uh, chiefs are the, uh, highest, aren't they the highest, um, 
uh, enlisted rank? Well, there's a, a chief is an E7. Uh, then you go senior chief and master chief, and master chief is really the pinnacle of the, uh, the enlisted rate. Master's just got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. How many years of service uh, does it take to uh, get to be a master chief? Uh, it really ranges, uh, depends on your rate and uh, who you are, but anywhere from 15 to 20 plus years. Now, when you go into the Coast Guard, do you get to specialize in any way, shape, or form? Uh, that, that is correct, yeah. Um, uh, after boot camp, you'll uh, get your first assignment, and then uh, you'll basically be uh, pick a uh, school or a trade, and that's uh, a rate, and I'm a bosun mate, so my primary job is uh, driving boats, law enforcement, and uh, homeland security, and that kind of stuff. And again, why not go right to the driving the boats place? <laughs> you know, nice work if you can get it. I would also think, Chief, that um, um, just kind of thinking here, uh, you know, in terms of all the different jobs in the Coast Guard, yours is probably pretty cool, pretty pretty high up on the cool uh, factor, isn't it? Oh, every day I go into work, I, I love it. So it's, uh, it's a new job. It's a new uh, adventure just about every day. And um, every time you transfer, you go somewhere new, you get to experience that community and experiencing uh, that, that local boating uh, world. And it's, uh, it, it's an amazing job. But as a high-end enlisted officer, you are the, uh, the officer in charge, isn't that the term? Yes, um, I'm the uh, officer in charge of the Coast Guard Cutter Bridal. Yeah, and again, uh, nothing more uh, high on earth than the captain of a boat. I don't care what your other rank is. And uh, again, nice work if you can get it. Tell us about the bridal. Well, the uh, bridal, uh, she's a, a 65-foot harbor tug, and she's uh, homeported out of Southwest Harbor, Maine. Uh, we're under the operational control of Sector Northern New England. Um, a 60-foot harbor tug is one of the 11 in the United States Coast Guard, and these uh, assets are really multi-purpose assets, and uh, she's actually 51 years old. The cutter is uh, well-maintained uh, by the crew, and that's how they really um, survived over these uh, the 51 years. Um, the, the bridal's main mission is domestic icebreaking, law enforcement, aids and navigation. And uh, we also respond in the winter to various requests of icebreaking throughout the state of Maine. Uh, respond uh, for the annual breakout of the Kennebec ri River uh, when needed for flood uh, relief purposes. And uh, we also have an extensive presence in the uh, Penobscot River also. And the uh, bridal actually maintains 50 aids to navigation, and uh, we have three lighthouses, uh, and it's all located all the way up uh, to Eastport on the Canadian border and uh, down to Stonington, Maine. I got to just trip me on something there. 50 aids to navigation. Um, I deliver boats. There's thousands of aids to navigation out there who takes care of all the other ones. And is there other uh, tugs similar to the bridal on the coast here? Well, there's actually uh, three uh, ice-breaking tugboats uh, throughout Maine, and um, we have 50 uh, structures, so we, we're kind of the, um, the the towers. Oh, we're not the, talking the green buoy. No, actually, yeah. uh, those are the aids and navigation teams uh, throughout the state yeah. of Maine, and then there's also some larger cutters, 175-foot um, ships and uh, even 225 uh, ships, and we all have a... Uh, different uh, responsibility levels, and uh, we, we take care of the uh, day beacons, the land-structured uh, aids to navigation. Yeah. Um, and, again, there are other uh, uh, other boats that break ice, but uh, breaking ice, pretty pretty interesting job. Um, how do you learn that? Well, breaking ice, it, it's a really uh, it's an amazing mission. It's uh, one of the missions of the uh, Coast Guard, and it's a uh, 
it's a great thing um, to do. Uh, but it's really not taught at any school. It's kind of passed down from the crew over the 51 years. And uh, you really go out there and um, we have a crew of six people, but they'll be experienced people as they transfer. And uh, you kind of learn the job as, as you go. And uh, one thing I've always been taught in the uh, Coast Guard is, is never to hit anything or ram in anything. And uh, this job that I'm, I'm put on, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really fun because you really get to to ram the ice and break the ice and it's uh, very successful when you see that river cleared and all that ice actually came out of the river it's a very good feeling what's on the bow of the boat that's poking into the ice well the uh design of the the hull itself is our, our framing is very close together about 16 inches and uh we have a small ice breaking keel up forward and that really assists uh with the ice breaking do we want to split it, or do we want to run up on it and kind of submerge it? And, and uh... Well, there's a lot of different methods, uh, and it really depends on how thick the ice is. Ice is a term that connotes a lot of different things. I believe the Eskimos, uh, you know, how many words would they have for ice? And, <laughs> and again, you can get in a lot of different situations, um, stuff that's, uh, you know, hard pack slush right to, again, solid uh uh, four, four, six foot cakes of ice come up on the shore, you know, and uh, in the wintertime here. And, and uh, again, stop navigation, which is critical to how this place works. Uh, fuel's got to be delivered up the Penobscot River, for instance, um, you know. Um, so anyway, you ever get the thing stuck? What's the uh, stupidest thing that's ever happened in the ice, Chief? Well, uh Sometimes uh, in the evening, you're breaking ice, uh, progressing up the river. Sometimes you'll uh, hove to, and uh, what you're doing is you're looking for a nice formation of ice, fast to the shore, bank to bank, and uh, as you progress up, you make a 90-degree turn, and it's actually called hove to in the ice. And uh, overnight, uh, you're still standing a watch, almost like being anchored, but you're not attached to the shore, just attached to the ice. Hey, certainly I haven't thrown an anchor to the and, bottom because <laughs> it might be a problem to get it back up. No, and uh, you always have uh, somebody on watch, and they're monitoring. You uh, throw it, out some sort of grappling hooks to the ice or something? Nope. You actually just uh, push yourself right into the ice. So almost. you leave the engine running? Uh, the engine is uh, shut off. It's just immediate standby. And um, sometimes overnight, that ice will really start getting forming around the uh, hull. It's a and, steel uh, hull, yeah, probably <laughs> chillstone good, doesn't it? It, it is, and um, sometimes it takes uh, about an hour or two to uh, get back underway because that ice behind you formed, and you could have 6 to 12 inches of ice behind you, and that ice really kind of closed down on the hull. And um, you'll be sitting there, and you have your throttle, and you're watching the snowbank next to you, and you're coming ahead coming to neutral, coming to stern, and you're not moving at all, and you really have to sally that rudder and break yourself out. So sometimes it takes about an hour to, to get out. Have so, you ever been well and truly stuck it? Well, never been uh, actually stuck in the ice. Um, you have to really know how thick that ice is and uh, kind of look for those uh, low and high spots of the ice. But uh, there's been times where you're in that ice and it's kind of you got to work yourself out. But on, Thankfully, uh, never actually got stuck in the ice. Do we ever run in conditions where the boat can't go up the river, can't do what it wants to do? Uh, well, it really depends on the, uh, the ice thickness. Uh, we break about 18 inches of ice and then using the back and ram method uh, a little bit thicker. So um, working with local agencies and taking core samples and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely depend on how far or how uh, far we progress up the ice. Pretty cool. We are doing boat talk this morning. It's the community radio. We ought to mention a couple of things while we're talking to Chief Winiarski here this morning. 
And uh, it is the fundraising edition. Uh, you could give a call and pledge or uh, give a call and comment. Those are two different phone numbers. Yes, the pledge number is 1-800-643-6273. The Boat Talk number is 1-866-625-9378. It's community radio. Alan and I are, are uh, you know, boat builders, local boat builders and uh, boat people and we're not as funny as uh, click and clack, but splish and splash, uh, you know. I got another little f- funny thing here. Tell us. Um, bridle, the name bridle struck me as kind of odd, B-R-I-D-L-E, like a horse bridle. Um, I looked it up, and there were 15 of these uh, small harbor tugs originally built. There's been four decommissioned. Shackle but would be another one, right? Shackle is another yeah. one. Yeah, they're all named after some sort of kind Boson of deck, terms. Deck, yeah, uh, yeah, hardware stuff. Capson, chalk, shackle, line. <laughs> Not too much uh, imagination there. Uh, uh, wire. But one name jumped out at me, and just to prove how little we really know here, Mike, I don't know what this uh, piece of hardware is. It's a catenary. Catenary, yes, I do. It's a curve. Okay, yeah. what is it? Um, yeah, catenary. Uh, well, I'm thinking of a uh, a line which you uh, uh, hoist the anchor up into the bow of the boat, and well, um, could be a little bit wrong about that as well. Um, the catenary. What what catenary is is um, it's one of the terms used when you're towing a vessel. So there'll be a little slack the in, the line, in the line. Yes. Sags a little bit, and yeah. that's uh, used for a, a shock absorber almost. And yeah. uh, you don't want that line straight across. Uh, with your towed vessel because that's just showing a lot of uh, heavy strain. Yeah. So it's kind of like a shock cord sort of thing. Yep, and it's just the dip, really. It's mm-hmm. the d- dip in the line of a, a tow line. Huh. I got to uh, deliver the uh, tows, uh, the uh, tugs, uh, uh, Penobscot and Seguin last winter. They've been bought down to Haiti. And I was riding Penobscot's a 98-foot uh, YTB, Navy YTB that worked Bath Iron Works, uh, built in 44, I think. And uh, drew 14 feet of water with the bilge uh, totally full. But anyway, uh, nicest ride I've ever had in my life. That boat only might have hit a wave that pounded the bow one time, but she never pounded at all. It was the nicest riding boat ever. How's the bridle handle? Well, the uh, bridle's really a harbor tug, so it's uh, made for breaking ice. If you look at the uh, bridle out of the water, it almost looks like a football. It's very rounded, and there's no true keel. There's a small ice-breaking keel up forward, so uh, when you start getting to some heavy seas, four, five-foot, six-foot seas, uh, she does uh, rock a, a good amount. Because that's not what she's meant for. She's meant to pivot. Yeah. She, yeah, and she's made to break ice, and that that's the hull design, is that shallow water getting in there into little harbors and rivers and breaking ice in there. Yeah. What does she draw? Uh, she draws just about seven feet. Wow, which is... Like say, not very much for a tugboat. No. Yeah. How fast will it go? Uh, she, her top speed's about ten and a half knots. So yeah. uh, really, the way the design of the the hull, the marine gear, and the prop, it's it's made for more torque than uh, speed. Do we have the propeller and the rudder all protected from uh, being damaged by the ice? Uh, no, actually, the uh, it, it's the propeller and the shaft and everything, and uh, it, it's it's got some uh, supports on the uh, strut. But it is it is um, exposed, but the uh, ice really kind of normally goes around it. Um, you definitely have to be careful, though, uh, backing into the ice. Your rudder has to be a, a midship because if your rudder's uh, tilted or hard over, you could actually shear the <laughs> rudder off. So there's definitely some safety precautions hmm. while breaking ice. That's kind of a limitation being able to back up straight only, though, isn't it? Uh, one good thing is when you're breaking ice um, – 
you make that track line, and uh, uh, it is pretty easy to stay within that track line. Oh, that brings me around to my funny thing I didn't get to. Uh, we were talking about the names and your boat being the bridle, and you uh, cut a path through the ice, and boats are following you. They're going down the bridle path. He's the punny one, yeah. and, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's a art that uh, some people have to just shake their heads at some days. I so. think there's a lot of head shaking out there right now. Boat Talk, uh, once again, uh, 1-800-643-6273 if you'd like to pledge for the uh, radio station this morning. And you can also join the conversation here. That number is 1-866-625-9378, 866-625-9378. We have as a guest in the studio this morning uh, Chief Michael Winiarski from The Bridal down in Southwest Harbor. And... Uh, what uh, what happened? What does uh, the Coast Guard Station in Southwest Harbor, uh, you know, what do we mostly do down there uh, besides the bridal? Well, in uh, Southwest Harbor, we have a aids and navigation team, and they uh, they maintain all the the buoys, the floating uh, buoys out there, and then we have a, a small boat station that runs search and rescue, law enforcement, and uh, then there's the the support staff also at the uh, sector field office. Um, let's talk about Coast Guard on the coast here. The next uh, stop with, uh, going east would be uh, Jones's Coast Guard down to Jonesport. Yep, there's a Jonesport uh, also uh, on the Canadian border, Eastport. You have Rockland, Booth Bay Harbor, and then uh, South, South Portland. Portland. Yeah, and that would be about it for the coast of Maine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And again, I would think uh, being the commander of the bridal would be a pretty cool job. Now, um, how often do you get to untie the thing? Uh, we usually uh, we, we get underway a good amount and uh, to, to maintain proficiency and uh, depending on the season, what mission we're doing. Is it the uh, original engine in that? Uh, XE was uh, upgraded uh, years ago, and it's a uh, 500, uh, 500 horsepower horse cat. Cat. Huh. We have a phone call, so let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi. Hello. Good morning. Okay. I have a 1998 23-foot Bulger trawler. Uh, it's been sitting in the backyard for the last five or six years. We bought it to use it as a camp, but it's just been sitting there as a trailer and everything on it. Could you tell me something about that? You were going to uh, uh, let's back up to you were going to use it as a camp. Do you mean uh, a yeah, floating camp or a land we're camp? Take it up on uh, Moosehead Lake in yeah. the and use it. But we bought another camp instead, so it's been sitting in the back. Yeah, I hear there's a, a houseboat on Toddy Pond that makes a bit of a sight, but it, anyway. It's a Phil Bolger boat. I, it's I'm, a Phil Bolger. Yeah, I'm guessing it's a it hard a, chine plywood. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. What's the design model again? It's a trawler. Yeah. Uh, uh, it'll draw a foot and a half. It's seven foot wide. I uh, don't have a picture of that actual design, but Phil Bolger was known for his somewhat controversial, uh, the Bolger boxes, they they called them. Right. But he was also something of a genius. He's passed on now. And uh, also something of a genius. The man could uh, devise a pretty good uh, uh, floating object that was maybe not as sweet to look at as, uh, you know, uh, some of the most beautifully... Uh, uh, design boats, but uh, very functional. How how long is this thing? It's that twenty three foot it's and seven foot a, wide. Seven foot wide. Got much of a house structure on it or anything? Oh yeah, it's uh, it'll sleep too. Has two bunks in the back. In the front, it has a the station, ice box, water, heat. I would say the uh, main thing now. You plan on keeping the boat or? Uh, 
I'm planning on selling it. I had when I bought it. I bought it off of. It was surveyed for sixty thousand dollars. It was built up in uh, New York State, up on the Hudson. Yeah. And and uh, no doubt amateur uh, quote amateur built uh, that can uh, own a lot of things. It's unbelievable the, the construction of. It. I think there was a builders that built it and whatnot. And uh, I was asking, I was going to ask for like eighty five hundred. You know, the trailer has a five star galvanized trailer. It just only thing it needs is an outboard. Hey, it'll take up to about a ninety horse. Tell Uncle Henry, and I bet he'll find you somebody that wants to buy her. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was trying to think about putting an Uncle Henry's. Yeah, perfect. Um, the whole thing for a boat like that, it's made out of plywood, uh, heavily fiberglass together is the way that that boat is joined together. And the whole True. thing is that um, it doesn't want to trap and, and keep water everywhere. Those boats um, can die ugly, horrible deaths if water gets into the plywood yeah. underneath the fiberglass. Once it right. gets right. into the plywood, water goes every direction. Yeah. Right. It, it, Start to laminate anything in the plywood. It's yep. got the, it has a fiberglass bond on it, basically. Yeah, but if it fiber. gets protected from water, though, it's a it's a great way to build a boat. It's a great uh, and Phil Bolger designed some uh, not very good looking boats that were again very practical. So it's hard to argue with. Right. Small Boat Journal for years uh, magazine had uh, a Bolger cartoon. Somebody would uh, ask him for some fantastic design parameter, and then he would sketch a uh, little idea, and, and just always fascinating. The man oh, was a genius, yeah. Best of luck. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the call-in number to Boat Talk is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, or if you'd like to support WERU and make a pledge, that number is one eight hundred six four three six two seven three. Now, I think you said there was a five foot prop on the bridle. That's that's pretty large. Yeah, it's actually a um, single bronze. It's got uh, four blades and it's a five foot diameter with a uh, thirty eight pitch. Wow! So as you said, she's not built for speed, but has a lot of power. Um, I'm, you talked about basically riding up on the ice to break it, and the thicker stuff you back and ram. Um, how far do you back up, and how fast are you going when you actually hit? The ice. Well, when you're using the back and ram method, uh, first, when you're inside the ice, you're going to clear everything out behind you. You're going to back up about uh, two boat lengths, and then you're going to come onto the ice, and, and you're doing about five, maybe uh, six knots. Wow. And uh, when you're ramming it, the the boat will either pierce through the ice or sometimes ride up on the ice. And mm-hmm. you have to be careful how far you get up on the ice. There's certain points where we just kind of slow down. You beat yourself, man. Yeah, well, that's wow. We need some videos of this, I think, sometime. I'm thinking when the Farmer's Almanac says it could be a kick ass winter, a lot of people groan, and you go, Yes. <laughs> it, it is quite exciting. Uh, it's having that ice. And uh, last, last winter was actually uh, a very productive uh, ice season for us. Yeah, first season is always going to be fun. We have another phone call, so let's go to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hi, this is Nick from Alderboro. Hey, Nick. Hey, um, didn't the chief just say that 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 boat was 500 horsepower? That doesn't seem like very much. A lot of small fishing boats have that much horsepower. Oh, yeah. Are you really breaking ice with 500 Four to one horsepower? Gear. A lot of lobster boats are going uh, thousands, so, you know. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. But, yeah. of course, they also want to go 50 miles an hour, and the so, chief doesn't. So, so. through gearing and the, and the wheel, it, it, it's like low gear, so you can get away with 500 horsepower and do a lot of work? Yeah, with a large diameter prop like that, yes, it takes a lot of torque to turn something that big. 
we ah. actually have a uh, it's a four to one ratio, so the uh, the marine gear is really uh, geared down low for a lot yeah, of okay. uh, torque. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I just you know, I've been around some boats. Uh, I've worked you know small fishing boats, lobster boats, and stuff like that. And I'm going five hundred horsepower. That's not very much. <laughs> it's no, uh, well, pretty it's good sufficient. You can do that with that with that with that much horsepower. It's actually it's an amazing uh, cutter. So uh, she. She breaks through uh, about 12 inches, and she'll uh, push through. And then when you start getting thicker, I mean, she she's actually got a lot of uh, power. And just the, the way it's torqued down, the way it's designed, it, it is an amazing hull. Oh, that's great. And you're over in Rockland? Uh, we're actually in uh, Southwest Harbor. There's another oh, 65 okay. yeah. in Rockland yeah. and uh, also Portland. Yeah. Huh. I was in the Navy a long, long time ago. And so you're a chief. Do you have warrant officers? Uh, there is warrant officers in the Coast Guard, yes. Yeah, okay. All right, well, thanks. It's neat that you can do so much work with 500 horsepower. Well, we're See you later. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. We're uh, economizing, saving money for the government by, uh, by gearing down and using less fuel. Chief, let's go back to your resume. What did you, uh, how did you get to be uh, in this position? What have you done, other jobs in the Coast Guard? What did you do after you left your uh, uh, boot camp? Well, actually, after boot camp, I went to a large uh, ship, a 210-foot uh, cutter out of Cape May, New Jersey, the uh, Vigorous. Uh, from there, I went to a station out in Long Island, uh, station Eaton's Neck. I uh, was there, and I progressed up through the uh, the ranks and got a lot of different qualifications and obtained my first uh, coxswain qual, which is a uh, on a 41-foot utility boat, and I uh, got to drive that around. Uh, from there, I went to a 110-foot ship, the Bainbridge Island, out of Sandy Hook, New Jersey, and uh, from there, I progressed my uh, career and got an executive petty officer on the uh, Coaster Cutter Adeli in 87 out of Port Angeles, Washington. Um, from there, after that, I got another executive petty officer job, a second-in-command job of Station New Haven, Connecticut, and then uh, came here. And again, we're working our way up the ladder with the idea of, of uh, captain of the boat, driving the boat, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. That comes, you mentioned executive officer. Um, you... Uh, Driving the boat is that's the dream, but you got your uh, officer in charge paperwork. You know your your administrator as well. Um, you lead six people. Yep, th- there's always uh, paperwork, and uh, you know part of the Coast Guard. There's a there's a lot of uh, you know things that we have to follow rules and regulations, just like any other military service. So, yep, there's there's that uh, desk work that you always have to do, but the the fun portion is being out on the ship and driving it. Excellent. Chief Michael Winiarski this morning. We're doing boat talk. Still time to call 1-800-643-6273 if you'd like to pledge support for the community radio or is about the kind of place you can hear this sort of thing uh, if you like that sort of thing. And and give us a call if you'd like to join the conversation here. 1-866-625-9378. Now, besides keeping uh, basically two rivers fairly clear, which I guess mostly is for flood control now. Is that right? Uh, Yes. uh, Basically, uh, for ice operations, uh, really what we're doing is uh, we're breaking ice for search and rescue to really help uh, prevent loss of life. The uh, community service supporting and supplying communities with food, fuel, and and medical needs. Um, Also, flood prevention and mitigation. And then uh, facilitating uh, navigation, ensuring our key ports are really open for example, Portsmouth, Portland, or uh, mm-hmm. Bucksport, and then uh, always the uh, the thing of uh, crew training and proficiency, going out there and knowing how to do the mission and uh, ready and knowing how to respond when needed. 
Okay. Um, you also mentioned, I believe, that occasionally you get calls out to other locations along the coast, too. Is that must when you get a really high ice winter? Seems like a, probably a lot of little harbors must call you out. How do, what, what's the procedure that uh, um, Frozen Harbor can get help? Well, if there was a uh, harbor, um, if it is a town, they'll work with their emergency management, and the emergency management will work with the local partners, and then in turn they'll notify the uh, Coast Guard sector, mm-hmm. and then uh, they'll they'll dispatch dispatch us uh, once it's uh, determined if it's uh, feasible for ice breaking. Um, does the uh, Mac Island port have ice issues at Searsport? Oh, Searsport. Um, yeah. Uh, I've only been here for a year and a half, so I uh, experienced last winter, so I'm not really uh, aware if that does freeze up or not. Yeah, I was curious. Uh, the big talk lately has been about dredging it. Um, so anyway, I was just curious about, curious about the ice conditions there. It is next to uh, the mouth of the Penobscot River, but not really in it. So anyway, what you uh, would they pass you in the door there, Alan? Well, uh, we need to do some thank yous. Uh, we have two callers who called up during the show to make a contribution to the radio station. Two renewals. One's from Bob and Doris and Sweet Dog at the Sweet Dog Farm in Brooksville. I drive by there, and I wonder, well, how sweet is that dog to, like you oh, say, inspire there's that? There's a lot of sweet dogs yeah, out there. I've wondered about your, and your sweet dog. One. Here's a good one. Thanks. Steve, out in Tucson, Arizona, is listening to Boat Talk. He says he's not knowledgeable about boats. He knows a little bit about canoes. Sounds... We hear that a lot, don't we, Mike? <laughs> yeah, and again, uh, Arizona would be kind of a deal breaker for me, bud. But you know, uh, no oh, ocean, but I still, uh, uh, canoes, uh, boats can work everywhere. So, yep. and you never know. I guess that's why we give the phone number one eight hundred. Those two people and anybody else who calls before the uh, the eleven o'clock hour into a drawing at the end of the week. There's going to be a a drawing uh, for the book. A Path Appears, Transforming Lives, Creating Opportunity, a story about people who have been successful at creating a, some positive movement in, in, the, in the world. Everyone who pledges one of these shows goes into a drawing at 5 o'clock on Friday. So that number to make a pledge is 1-800-643-6273. Or as Mike says, we still got a little bit of time to squeeze in one more phone call. 1-866-625-9378 is the number into Boat Talk. We're talking with Chief Michael Winiarski, the officer in charge of the bridle. Um, it's a tug, but it's classified as a cutter. Now, that seems to me a little bit of a, a stretch, I Cutter's guess. Cutter's kind of a big term, isn't it? Um, I was uh, sent a line from the Coast Guard cutter Pawpaw on the day before Thanksgiving, about 100 miles off the Georgia-Florida border one uh, year, for instance. Um, that's, that's Coast Guard cutter, too. So, um, Cutter, uh, generic kind of term? Well, the uh, definition of a cutter is uh, any ship in the Coast Guard 65 feet and larger. So when the uh, boats are smaller than 65 feet, they're considered small boats. So that kind of is the classification on um, ranking, structure, and uh, what they are. Some of those boats are pretty cool, too. The 42s and stuff are are meant to be capsized and go in and out the Columbia River Bar and places like that. Have you served in those boats? Uh, I've served on a a couple different uh, small boats, uh, 41 utility boats, 45 um, response boats, and uh, 25-foot. I haven't been on the uh, 47 motor lifeboats, but, uh, yes, they do. They are self-riding. 
Yeah, and again, that's some that's some high end boat driving. But the other thing I was uh, very impressed with when I was on that uh, Navy YTB tug last winter was the design consideration that that the Navy and the Coast Guard put into their vessels, and it comes from experience. And there's a reason why they build things the way they do, and and it's evolved. And again, you've got to kind of respect that. They've got some good designs. Mm. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, proven too. Have you ever been in a rollover? Oh, no, no, I have not. Yeah, good. <laughs> was just uh, before we went on the air telling the chief about a weird dream I just had, and, and when I woke up thinking about uh, the water coming through the wall uh, 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 electric panel, my first thought was I've never been on a sinking boat, you know. And again, uh, done some interest in search and rescue. Uh, yes, I have. I have. I've never been on a sinking boat, but I've pulled people off sinking boats before. Yeah, and again. Uh, uh, when it all comes down to uh, what do we do at the moment, um, it's it's just uh, as live as things get. I mean, you know, uh, a pretty cool job, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of Giffy's gripes is that he thinks that some people who uh, go out in the ocean and uh, not really prepared for it and then up, end up calling the Coast Guard and, and having to be rescued, he thinks those people should have to pay for the uh, the services I know the Coast Guard uh, doesn't charge for that sort of stuff uh, um, because they don't want to discourage anybody from, from calling for help. But uh, it seems interesting that there is an awful lot of expense going into to, uh, doing search and rescue. Uh, there is. That is correct. When we do boat deliveries, we find that the further south you go, the more entertaining the radio is. And you must also admit that with the uh, GPS, uh, let alone radar and all that, um, we have made boating uh, much less idiot-resistant. And, and a lot of idiots can now go places where they would probably not venture out beforehand, you know. Yeah, I think just being a prudent mariner is, is really big. And, uh, and getting that experience in the, you know, the Coast Guard Auxiliary and the Power Squadrons, they run a lot of different courses, uh, safe boating courses, and that really helps, uh, you know, being a smart and prudent mariner. Hmm. One of the little things we like to say on Boat Talk is experience is one of the things you can't kind of fake, you know. you got to earn it the hard way. We also say you need to learn from the experiences of other people because you haven't got enough lives <laughs> to make all those mistakes yourself, you know. And, uh, again, the Coast Guard is a... Uh, um, you know, they help people, but we're, they also defend the country, and it is a Memorial, uh, I'm sorry, Veterans, Day. Veterans Day here. And we are coming up against the end of the uh, boat talk, though. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add before we have to go off here? No, I'd just like to uh, thank you for having having well, me today. It's been an honor. Thank you for coming. And uh, if anybody wanted to get a hold of the Coast Guard for any more information or that sort of stuff, I want you to uh, just give a little quick uh, contact information. Well, if you uh, go online, there's uh, the main Coast Guard page, and uh, you could find local recruiters and local stations uh, to contact them if you have any questions about uh, safety or the Coast Guard's missions. Coastguard.gov? Yes. Yep. Very good. Well, Mike, that's about it for Boat Talk for this week. We're going to be shoving off, making room for Rich Hillsinger coming up next here on Community Radio WERU-FM, Blue Hill 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor around this wonderful, great, wet world at weru.org.
Support for WERU comes from Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main 